Praise God. I know that's right. No matter how hard it gets. Thanks for calling home for me. We haven't finished yet. There's so much of life ahead. We've got so much to do. In the case of Lene's sanity. No, no, no. In the case of did my friends betray me or not, we're just going to let you guys decide if I'm nuts or if my friends had a responsibility to tell me that lunch was canceled. So last Friday, there we were. Actually, the whole last truth? Thursday, I'm telling the entire truth. Okay. You guys can tell your story because I don't know what happened on the phone, okay. but my truth will stand nonetheless. Okay. Last Thursday, we talked about wanting to go to this spot, Bar of Thailand. Sim says, oh, I can't go. I promised other people I want to taste their food. Okay, fine. She says, we can go tomorrow, though. I said, cool. I'm free after the parking lot. Obio says, yes, I'm down. Cool, 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 cool. I call on parking lot. Things are done. Sim hasn't answered the phone yet. Obio has answered the phone. We're kicking, but I'm also in the middle of a meeting. So I have to rush off and say, okay, cool. Lunch is at 12. Obio, right? He said, cool. Lunch is at 12. Sim hops on the phone and I can know. I told you lunch was at 12 before Sim got on the phone. I said those words to you. And so then Sim hops on the phone and how me and my friends are about being on the phone we will stay on the phone and continue to kiki at every thought that arises. So in efforts to hop off of the phone, I said, lunch is at 12, bye. So I can get back to my meeting. My meeting does not wrap until 11.45 because I decided it wrapped at 11.45 so I could be at lunch on time. I send the words on the way. These people have told me, girl, lunch isn't happening. So I'm a little confused because when you got on the phone, you decided then that lunch wasn't happening, but didn't notify me until maybe an hour and a half later, 15 minutes prior to we're supposed to meet when I initiate the conversation about lunch. Now that the facts are there, who's nuts, me or y'all? One, one thing about a lie, Ooh. apparently they don't care who tells it. Woo! You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, because when you brought up lunch, Lene, I, I literally told you Sim had an appointment. Did I, did I not? I that's, do remember that happened. No, that that's what happened after when I called you back. That's when we were sitting on the phone and I was talking about being devastated because I had put on, I refreshed my makeup. I had changed my shirt. I had put on a new shoe. I had put on a scent layer. You said, no, Sim has the appointment. I have to go help no, somebody move fair. in. Oh. My second point is, my second point is that when you said you wanted to go, there was no time. You are saying you said let's go at twelve. That was not communicated. Mm -hmm. you, the only time, the only, no. only time you said go at twelve was when you said, "All right, let's go by," and you hung up the phone. That's that was the only time you brought up a time. You said you said let's go to bar, whatever the fuck we went to, and I said does twelve seem like recall. a good time? I said does noon Girl. seem like a good time? <laughs> We <laughs> talked about time before Sim got on the phone. I would never in my life just throw a time at y'all that two out of three of us did not discuss because that don't even make sense. I know who I'm dealing with. I would never in my life. <laughs> yeah, Shade. I would never in my life just throw out a time. As further context. Oh! <laughs> Come on. As further context is mm. provided, mm. I can possibly say mm. that... In some kind of way, mm. maybe we could have oh, okay. immediately as she hung up on us, disrespectfully, yeah. Yeah. Um, put in the chat, actually, girl. Yeah. 
Yeah. We not gonna be able to make it. Well, you could have been what? You could have what? We could have we could have wrote her immediately, like, girl, no. Mm-hmm. We we won't be able what to did make we it. Say? Nothing. nothing. You we said, said nothing. nothing. <laughs> right, but the no, nothing being said is implying that I saw it and consciously ignored it. When I saw it, I responded. I just didn't see it initially. Mm. No. Uh-huh. I don't know what you're saying okay. because nothing was said <laughs> until I sent a message that said I'm on the way. Maintenance check. <laughs> and you know, that started beef. There were several beefs that happened over the weekend. And but now we can we're friends the person again. Online. Yeah, the first beef is not going to be discussed in this space. Yeah. But yes, we, I'm glad we're friends the again. The first beef. Yeah. For sure. Hmm. Hmm? You don't remember the other beef? That was the first beef that I had with the two of you. There was a deep beef, I remember. There was a yeah, deep there beef there was a, that the two of us had with him. Had with OBO, oh. correct. Which one, <laughs> yeah, which we, we won't bring this. that here. Yeah, no. But we'll leave that. So make yeah, this check. We are new and refreshed and in love once again. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so, um... Maintenance check, friends. Maintenance check. How are your spirits, your souls? How are you feeling? I feel good. You know, I remember positivity at all times. I remember (laughs) that trials and tribulation comes with a season of growth and breakthrough. (laughs) And that's just what I'm trying to focus on, you know. Um, Obstacles and learning and navigating and being better for all of it. So that's how I feel. And it's not to negate anything that I'm feeling, but I do think that I am, like I said, just navigating challenges a lot better than I have before. Still frustrated. I love that. Put my big girl panties on and talking to people, not talking to them crazy, but talking how I need to so they can talk to me nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm exiting a season of... I have often confused, and I think a lot of black girls have, but I never thought about it until I was paying attention to my own, be- my own behavior. But I struggle with asserting myself and being... Mm, I struggle with asserting myself sometimes for the express intention to be humble in spaces and feeling like I have to express humility, especially in arenas that I'm new to, where someone is doing a service for me, but I gotta keep remembering like what I'm worth and what I'm bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. And that especially if people are doing something for me, like yes, you might have the expertise, but you're still doing it for me. And I have to remember that I can put my foot down um, and that nobody is gonna care as much, even if they're great at their job, even if they intend to do well. So it's not even a um, question of folks' intentions or their ethic. It's just no one is ever gonna take your baby as seriously as you are. So um, I was very frustrated this past weekend, you know, besides y'all, just kidding. But just for the simple fact that I've been working since Black History Month, which is a super stressful time for me and my team. It was a great month, but super stressful. And I've been working since then to never put myself in a position of having to scramble at the last minute again. And I feel like I'm having to do that. But as I said at the top of this little anecdote or whatever, I'm learning to manage challenges better. So here we are. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's funny you brought up humility. I was in conversation recently with one of my friends, and he brought up that he feels like I don't share what I'm doing, what I got going on. And 
it brought me to talk about how I feel like everything that I will be sharing often feels like a flex. Mm. So I find myself just being being quiet um, just because I think I didn't realize how much I grew similarity with people based on struggling, mm. based on the desire for newness, the desire for comfort. And I think once I got into the newness and got into the comfort, I didn't feel comfortable communicating that comfort because I felt like I had gotten to a place where my peers, friends, well, friends hadn't got to yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was like, what we want was like, man, I'm sick of this job, man, I'm sick of this virtual money, funny, whatever, whatever. Now it's like, my money's not really funny. And I can keep acting like it is to Ooh. feel like, you know, like I keep acting like it is, but I think it's been tough for me to kind of get in my spirit that like, money is not funny right now. Like that's, that's I'm not saying I'm without worry, Mm-hmm. But I don't have that worry right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been like very interesting to advocate for my goodness, I guess, in a little bit of ways. I was on some earlier. I feel a little overwhelmed even right now just because there's so much to be done. And I think I'm also navigating toxic versions of positivity. Mm-hmm. I almost like I have to be grateful at all times of the day. I have to like not complain because it's like I wanted and, you know, what it looks like. And I think like, even I think when, we, when we're desiring new things, I think we can still be open to adjusting those new things because we're still on the outside looking in. Like, you know, we don't really know what it's like to have what we want. We're just like wanting it. But then when we get it, it's almost like you asked for it, so you need to be grateful, you need to like it, you need to enjoy it, mm-hmm. you need to da, 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 da. I find myself being like, mm, I didn't know what I know now. Mm-hmm. And given what I know now, I'm readjusting, is this actually what I want? Or how does this like work in tandem with a lifestyle that I like or whatever that looks like? And today was just one of those days where I was like, ah, like, I got some notes from a brand. Kind of like I'm just constantly in like, I'm constantly behind. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm just like yeah. honestly battling like, just feeling like I'm always behind, always behind. The second I catch up, I'm back behind. It's, mm. it's always a new thing to ideate. It's a new thing to come up with. It's a new yeah. thing to think about. It's a new thing to, just always something new, something new. Even my downtime is my brain just will not cut off. Mm. And Pastor talked about you can change your environment until you change your mind. Like mm. you can be on vacation until you vacate. You know, and it's like mm-hmm. all of these things. And I'm like, yo, I just, I'm navigating, like, even to say, I honestly just want to cry. I'm, I'm, you guys, are listeners, I'm, I'm in DC right now. So I'll get home at nine o'clock. I'm going to get in my car from the airport. I'm just going to cry because I need to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've just kind of been navigating those moments of like, okay, you are overwhelmed and that's not changing. But how do you function in the midst of kind of being overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. And like, how do you give yourself like a moment in the midst of not actually having a moment? Mm-hmm. Like, I really don't have the luxury of months off. But how do I give myself these pockets of like, whether it's tears, whether it's yelling, whether it's like whatever, and it's not self care shit. If I'm being honest with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, the gym ain't working on that. That ain't working at all. The gym ain't working. A candle ain't working. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not working. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I think I'm navigating what are those methods that I need to like reset and reset rather quickly mm-hmm. until I can get to a point where I have more time to reset. Because I also tell myself that. You know, you're in grind season. Mm-hmm. And grind season just isn't always the most comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sometimes you are in that season where it just ain't really, sorry, boo, we just don't have time for you to chill right now. Like, you just <laughs> don't really give that. You're building something. And when you get to that, you'll be fine. But I think I'm also a little bit afraid, and I'll be quiet after this. Like, will I know when I get there? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a little bit of my subtle fears, where, like, you get so lost in, like, increase and lost in, like, trajectory and lost in journeying. Then, like, when do you decide that, like, where you are is okay for a little bit? I can park it here for a little bit longer than I parked it in the last place. 
when you're always constantly like, you know, leveling up, leveling up. Okay, what point does this level can last longer than a few months? How can I like target here for real? And so all those questions are just placating my mind right now, and I feel a little bit overwhelmed. But I, but at the end of it, all, I do feel grateful. I just don't feel like gratefulness has to censor my experience today. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to be a little more confident in the fact that today's expression of self isn't gratefulness. It is kind of sadness mm-hmm. or being st- or overwhelmed or an overwhelming feeling or frustration or whatever that looks like. And I'm okay with that and give myself license to be okay with that. But that's just kind of a long version of how I feel. Yeah. I Thank love you. that you're giving yourself that space, though, to be like, I ain't trying to fix it. I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm, I just, just how I feel. Yeah. And to your question, like, I know you're not necessarily asking us, but like, when do you know it's okay to get, or not even, like you said one thing that said, how do I relax myself rather quickly until I can get to a point where I can relax myself for a longer time? Like, you don't. Like, the first time you relax is when you need to give yourself the breath because if you're only like giving, your brain doesn't even cut off if you're only giving yourself a short period of time to relax because you're thinking about needing to get back. So you really got to give yourself the the space and opportunity to decompress. You got a brain dump. And whether that means journaling, I done got my, uh, what's that girl name? Mary Jane on my office. I have post-its everywhere of oh. just like, <laughs> taking the ideas out of my brain and kind of putting them all in a section together until I can come back to it. Um, because I think Sim can attest to very much earlier this year prior to starting this podcast. I don't know when we started this podcast, but I was on my last fumes, like yeah. dragging myself across the floor, like leaving nail marks in the wood because I was trying to keep myself keep myself moving and that just wasn't healthy either and then the last question that I'll ask for you and you don't got to answer it right now but your exhaustion also seems to come from a place of trusting yourself to do all these things and not Mm -hmm. leaving enough space to be carried through it you know yeah I think like delegation has been a a difficult task Mm -hmm. you know Especially like in the work that I'm about to start back, I guess like people who, are, who follow me on the advocacy space, I'm about to start back in that space in a really real way, very soon actually. And so like even in that, I think the luck, the, luck, the break I had in terms of not doing my show anymore, mm-hmm. that was kind of a break for me, kind of leaning into like the influencer space and like just doing deals. So it wasn't necessarily. So I can imagine when they what you felt were like talking about heavy things so consistently. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like having to consistently go there you know what i mean and that being like a heavy load to continue to carry then drop and then carry then drop it's like even me bracing myself to get back there but in your to your point it's like i know i can't do that alone again like i just know that i'm gonna have to like enlist some help um in whatever capacity it looks like because to your point like none of us are like built to like navigate by ourselves Mm -hmm. and i feel like for me for so long i've trusted myself in a way that like even if it does crumble it'll crumble when in a way that i'm comfortable with Mm -hmm. opposed to like crumbling based on in a way that i'm not comfortable with i feel that i feel that but you know i'm not even just talking about people so there's that Uh oh Uh oh praise god okay so how are you yeah (laughs) i'm gonna change that subject yeah um how is them um Sim is doing really cool right now. Um, I'm relationshiping hard as hell mm-hmm. right now, and that has been very interesting, but also very important for where I am right now. Um, 
but it is hard going from being an I to being a we. And that's crazy to say because I've been with this man for like three years and change now. Um, but I have been operating in our relationship as an I for some time mm-hmm. because I had everything going on. Um, mm-hmm. And now that I'm settling into, you know, I got a one-year-old, I have a six-year-old, and they are small people who constantly need everything all the time. And I'm allowing myself to be present with them. Um, that space is requiring me to have oh, be very dominant in so many parts of my life. So um, <clears throat> we've just been trying to exercise boundaries, um, communicating, and being supportive of one another. And it's a new space for me, but today is one of the days where it feels really beautiful um, and it feels really necessary. So I've had a good day today. Um, I've had an interesting week. But um, I'm really feeling optimistic right now when I think about what's next and um, what's happening. So it's it's good things, good things. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm is glad we it? took that time. It is time for niggas, niggas online. Yeah. So <laughs> who do we have up first? Cimberland. Also, have you t- tuned into Cimberland Parker on YouTube? I don't know. Have I you? have been consistent. Tune into Cimberland Parker on YouTube. Um, Obio's home Talk coming soon. Yes, Obio's home is on its way. <laughs> black people in black places. Perch. Wait on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, you uh-huh. heard these things here first. Yeah, when okay. you actually see them is our business. Correct. But you heard it here first. All right. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Absolutely. So today, um, raise your hand if you watch football. (laughs) Not raise your hands. (laughs) So although I don't watch football and none of us watch football for real, this has been um, a trending topic for a little while. Don't your Um, man play football? Ain't he in the NFL? Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Oh, okay. Um, oh. For those of you guys who don't know, you can stop tagging me and Odell Beckham Jr. stuff. Because uh, we're no longer together. I don't know how many times you say that. You see who he's with now. You, I mean, where, where do you go from here? I get it. Ooh! But um, I am now with with uh, Jalen Hurts, um, mm-hmm. and we're happy. So I know you don't hear him talk much just because, you know, I let my men out the way. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so if you, if you see him, no, that's me. Mm-hmm. That's all. What, okay. were you, what were you saying, Sam? Okay. Yeah. I'm in an insane place. So... Travis Kelsey, he, um, have you guys heard of the name before I tell this stuff? No. Okay, great. So, yeah, Tra- we know Travis Kelsey. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with the, yeah, Super Bowl winner. Okay. I didn't know that. But, what? <laughs> I don't know nothing. Maybe, Obi, I'm going to stick to this paragraph. Okay. I thought okay, I knew things okay, that I did not know, but cool. All right. So he plays for Kansas City. He's a football player. And um, he was dating one of the girls. And basically... Kayla. Kayla, yep. So his long-term... Kayla... Mm-mm, Kayla. Kayla. That's what we're going to say. They were together for a very long... <laughs> they were together for a very long time. Um, and they kept breaking up because of cheating allegations. Mm-hmm. Now, they recently split, period. They're done. And whatever. And she has spoken up before about the fact that it had to do with him being cheap and um, complaining about having to take care of her and her expenses being too much and just not wanting to be in a relationship with somebody that he has to carry. Um, forcing her to go 50-50 on things when it was clear that there was a big difference in what type of income they brought in. 
And so, um, recently, it's reported that he's dating Taylor Swift now. So, of course, the internet is in an uproar for several reasons. Not only did he leave someone, he left a black girl for a white girl. So, you already know the people are not happy about that. Then on top of that, he left someone that the internet is saying probably isn't making a lot of money. Most of the money she was bringing in was probably connected to him, to somebody that has their own brand, their own stuff, and all of that going on. And so there's a lot going on. My question is, girls do this all the time. Girls do this all the time. And we see it on the internet where girls are saying, like, I don't want to date somebody that makes less money than me. Um, I want to date somebody that's able to do the same things I want to do. I don't want to go 50-50. I want someone who can just handle it, yada, yada. So why is it cringy because this man is doing the same thing? I think it's a subject that I think about this quite often because whenever we see black men with white women period it's like a scrunch up of the nose mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> have you seen that meme of this white woman and i think she might be tasting like a drink and the first face is like uh and the first and the second face is mm. <laughs> no yeah. i gotta yeah. show we gotta put it in the story but um i feel like that's what it is when black men it's a nasty face but when black women are dating non-black men it's a well hmm. i see where she's coming from and there's just so much mm-hmm. There's so many nuances to be contributed to this. Like, there's literally a deficit of available black men who want black women. It just literally is that due to things like uh, mortality rates, incarceration. Yeah. Um, And then on top of that, I think this ties into, I know y'all answered a letter about Tyler Perry's conversation Mm -hmm. with that lady on that podcast. Like when it comes to what's left and what's available, Mm -hmm. um, we're kind of picking and choosing what we can. So I think when it comes to this particular situation, Travis Kelsey's situation is already colored with the discarding of a black woman for a white woman and for a rich white woman that is also that also shares a narrative of leaving black women allows you to level up so while i think these things could be separate it's just colored with all of that and it's an unfortunate situation we don't know any of these people to be knowing exactly what their motives are or what happened in the relationship um but yeah that's that's my answer what was the specific question you asked him? So I said, if girls are doing it all the time, deciding to date people that are either in their, you know, yeah. what is it, their their financial level or above, why is it mm-hmm. a problem for him to do the same thing? I think I would need to know how he saw the dynamic of the relationship as well. Like that would help me understand, give a better answer. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, because in my mind. To me, what makes it different is oftentimes you see cishet men talk about the relationship model they want that centers this very domesticated version, this very hyper-traditional version of relationship. And so for that reason, I think it becomes why they get contested when it comes to money because that's kind of the dynamic that is at play here. Like, you know, you can't want the separate wife and the thing, but then complain when you make too much money or something much as much money as you. Stuff like in those regards, I'm always just like, eh, like, I mean, you kind of like, that's the model you expected to have. And I also feel like in this case, to me, him leaving her or like getting with Taylor Swift afterwards, his prerogative, right? As a white man, you were the black girl. That doesn't doesn't surprise when she left a black girl for a white girl. Or I'm went sorry. To a white girl afterwards. He's a white man. He's white. Why you let me say all of that? Because I thought Travis was black. <laughs> oh, because of Travis. <laughs> yes. You made good points person. though. 
You made good point. Sentiment's kind of gay. She thought he was black. I'm like, does she know he's white? But no, I didn't know he was. Ah, you did say slim pickings. Okay, yes. Now it's a lot of weight. Okay, well, all right. But I mean, he's a white guy. Like, I mean, come on. It's like me dating a white guy and then going right to a black man. I dated a white guy. Like, I mean, it's a white guy, real quick. I don't know. Well, I retract everything that I said. Moving along. I didn't want to say. Sam looked me in my face and let me talk. As did you, OBO. What confirmation I mean, that you all hate me? Yeah, it was points were made. What did made. Kiki Bomber say? What did Kiki Bomber say? Good point, wrong scenario. Okay. Like, you know Got what I'm it. saying? Mm-hmm. It was, but she it was said that really in a read. Points. She said that in a read. And y'all just <laughs> moving along. It's beef again. Well, um, <laughs> moving along. Speaking of people who are canceled, because me and OBR Uh-oh. are canceled right now for Lene. Um, okay. Is Drake cancelable? Is Drake cancelable is a question that... <laughs> It's going around because recently I was very excited that Drake was coming in town. I was talking to a friend. She's like, oh, girl, Drake is canceled. I said, that's interesting for what? Um, And so she said, you know, it's a a bunch of things. Like, they've been trying to cancel Drake for a while. And I'm like, "Mm." oh, there was that other thing, too. So I see what you have listed here, but there's another thing. Say what you have listened. I'm going to say what I have listened, and then you drop yeah. the big kahuna. Okay. okay. <laughs> so the following charges have been filed against Auburn. <laughs> People were not happy about his recent single cover with Holly Berry being slimed. That was very uncomfortable. But also. it wasn't even just that. It was the fact that he asked her if she could use a photo, and he said no. She said no, correct? Yes. Yeah, and, and she went said, and just bought the image. Mm, I did see something about her saying, like, I'm very disappointed, or I thought a little bit more of him. Mm. Um but okay, that. Also, he pushed a fan on stage during the tour. Um, a female got Ooh. on stage and he kind of just like pushed her out the way. Um, so that was really weird. And then some of us are not over, some of us, including myself, are not over that line. Me too. He said about Megan um, being a stallion and yada, yada. Um, y'all know the line. Something about she might be something. Fake shots, but she's still a, st- a stallion. Something, or something like, like that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and to that point, whether it's pushing a black girl on the stage, which doubles down on my perspective of Drake trying to alienate his fan base, which is really weird to me. And I can't even I can't even say black women are the reason Drake got to where he was, but we can't also lie and say that black women aren't the reason a lot of his music was popularized. Like, girls wanted to hear Drake's songs. Like, yes, I mean, there's just certain rap that girls will listen to if their boyfriends are listening to it or if it's a very specific thing, but girls will just play Drake, Correct. you know? And Drake made music for girls. He dropped mm-hmm. summer hits for women specifically who went to college. And, like, he kind of grew up with us like that. He made music for women in college at a certain point in time. And then as we were matriculating through our different successes in life or milestones, Drake was making music to travel with us in that way. And so all this new sassy Mm-hmm. his sassy era um, talking about making what he did and just the music that he's making talking about women I just think it's really interesting and I don't know if it has to do with people trying him on his masculinity and that's the other thing like we're not finna sit here and act like men were not trying Drake like men yes. were not like it's attacking his like gangster when he is a mixed young boy from Canada and I'm not gonna hold y'all the Canadians said they don't like Drake the Torontoans the people from the 6 said he opposed her that's what they said mm-hmm. when I went over to Canada for Beyonce show. Um, so yeah, me and Sam were talking about this briefly because I have tickets. I didn't purchase tickets. I know that sounded like very reverse <laughs> of what I was saying. Um, my manager got us tickets and my boyfriend loves Drake. 
And so I was just like, I kind of don't want to go. He doesn't want to go simply because it's in the middle of the week and he's at work. But I just don't even know how I feel about it right now. Like, I just feel like that's kind of strange of Drake. And that's my perspective as a person who really enjoyed him in high school and college and some time after that as well. So that context being given of all of these things that are kind of like, because he's rubbed people the wrong way in several different demographics. Do we feel like yeah. this is a person that it's possible to cancel Drake? Because these things kind of just like, I'm not going to lie, even the XXX thing, um, that was something that was very heartbreaking for me. So um, the rapper who died a couple years ago oh. and mm-hmm. his cadence towards it, mm-hmm. that was I very unsettling. That. I'm not going to speak about it on the airwaves because okay. no. Okay. But um, it was just unsettling, like, the way he handled it. They had mm-hmm. a little beef thing going on. Mm. Um, but do we feel like this is somebody that we can be like, Drake is canceled and it's going to matter? Matter? No, because I think we've tried. I don't even think we've tried to cancel Drake, but I think things have come up. I'm not going to put him in the same sentence as this, as this other person, but things just seem to like fall off of Drake's reputation. Um and it might spark a little bit of conversation and noise, but he goes on about his business. And the other thing that I was going to add to this list was um, there was something about him texting the girl Eleven from Stranger Things when she was I remember younger. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was weird. People felt that was weird. So I just think people would be turning their nose up at Drake. Like, this is weird, but I just saw something recently that he's one hit away from being tied with Michael Jackson. So he's one of them ones. Yeah. I feel like when we grow an emotional attachment to people's work, it becomes more and more difficult to cancel them. Mm. You know what I mean? I think about like Jonathan Majors, for instance. Like, I think it was although we liked him quickly, it was quick. If that makes any sense, because I think it was like we didn't have time to really emotionally <laughs> connect to him in a way that mm. would have made it difficult to cancel him. Mm. But I think about people like your R. Kelly's or your Chris Browns, and I mean different scenarios of people, but just same people who kind of just do the most. It's like people have built such a tie to their discography, to their music, that mm-hmm. it makes it difficult to like truly cancel them. And can you cancel a person without canceling their art? You know what I mean? Like, or do they both work in at the same uh, together as one? You know what I mean? Like, can I say I want to listen to this person's music? What kind of like Nicki Minaj fans right now? Right, a lot of Nicki Minaj fans are saying mm, she's losing it, but. <laughs> You know, but I like my girl. I, I, I'm going to still bump the music, blah, blah. And so mm-hmm. it becomes like with Drake because it's a similar thing. Can you say, boom, you as an individual, I'm, I'm good on. But again, your music helped me through college or I was listening to it when I was in high school or blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm still going to listen. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I think it's, I think you make a really good point. But I also, I guess I hope that we're in a different day and age that we don't make the mistake of just letting things be weird and then finding out later that it was something that was atrocious, you know? Like, I'm yeah. I'm not going to put that. That's why I said I don't want to use these two in the same sentence. But, like, allegations just slid off R. Kelly's back. He was just dipping it. And the people around, even, like, in close vicinity, said he was doing things that mm-hmm. I knew to be not okay, but I didn't say anything. And this is even prior to having been in people's headphones for decades, um and i kind of wrestle with the art and people's personal choices because i think there's something really specific to be said about people who use their art and use their 
use not even just their star power, but the way that they make their livelihood to violate others. And that's why I think there's something very specific about R. Kelly that doesn't apply to everybody else we want to cancel or even just sexually sexual abusers. Because more often than not, they're using their fame as a vehicle to entice and abuse women. So I've always thought it was weird when people needed to stand 10 toes down about R. Kelly because the music is a reminder of the abuse, quite literally. So in my opinion, I feel that it takes a different generation to be outraged by these things in order for it to be cancelable. So for example, when we think about R. Kelly, our aunts and uncles still are rocking him and are still like, I don't know. Like, they're still very much stepping in the name of love. Where it's us, the people who are also, like, all jokes aside, guys, like, it's it's us who are like, this is crazy. This is creepy. Because we're also people who have friends who have gone through some of these things or it hits close to home. Something that OBO says all the time is that it's not a problem until it comes to your front door. Mm-hmm. And the fact is that the things that he's done, whether it's come to grooming or just kidnapping like manipulating people on the idea that I can make you famous or do something for you that you won't be able to do yourself like that type of manipulation is something that's very familiar for people um, who are millennials or Gen Z because um, these are things like these are things that we aspire to like we want to have these type of careers and all of this type of stuff so um I think that in the Drake situation, because we've grown up with his music and we've had moments with him, like we don't see the things that he does as that weird and strange because we we have rose-colored glasses on or whatever. And the thing that made me think about it is this tweet that says, this Drake discourse is hilarious because it reminds me that Jay-Z would have been canceled over Girls, Girls, Girls if it came out today. The whole song was problematic as hell. I don't even know that song. Girls, 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 girls. That's the right Yeah, it's but, in. But mm-hmm. but I, I also feel like what's necessary to add though, and I, get, I think the Jay Z part, I don't know if it works as a good example of the point, but I think it works as a good example of my point, which is what we saw with Jay Z is growth. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're all, and I think what, what mm-hmm. we continuously ask people in general to do is to grow. No one's asking mm-hmm. you to come to the pot knowing things. We're and asking you to learn is. and grow, there and that's is. the problem with so many people. To Lene's point. If we're saying people from if our parents was recognizing this stuff with R. Kelly and da, 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 it took you this long to not grow. Like I think that's Oof. the part that is the most insulting as well. Yeah. Because there's not growth happening. Fine. You thought that having a sip drill was appropriate, cool. But now you know, mm, given the climate, most honestly, most shows, Sex in the City, most of our favorite shows would be canceled based on today's climate about trans lives and how they made fun of trans women back in the day because they didn't know any better. Mm. But we're asking you now that you do do better yeah and i'm so glad that you put it in those terms because people talk about cancel culture all the time and i think it's so weird and it's so whack because when we ask or when we hold people accountable for things that aren't okay or exhibit some type of behavior that can teach an audience that this type of behavior is okay when we call them on those things we're not saying because you did this nobody should fuck with you anymore because you did this no one should listen to your music or your things or whatever we're saying that something that you did was harmful and if you could atone for it and show growth in public and show learning in public and not attach this it's like y'all feel like your masculinity is being threatened when we ask you to learn and grow like the whole situation with neo like he said i don't even remember what he said but he apologized for it or 
a PR person apologized for it. Then he got back on live to say, you know what? No, I, I, I meant exactly what I said. And maybe y'all just need a world without Neo, which we don't got to get into it. <laughs> but like we're not, it doesn't have to be an argument. And I guess maybe people take things personally because they didn't mean any thing bad or they didn't know any better or the world around them told them this was okay fine just do better and literally we can move on literally we can move on literally we can move on it's not that heavy the ocean isn't that deep yeah and i think people just really have a, a tough issue i remember on this podcast i think i used to use always i used to often use the word tone deaf to describe people and I remember Lene was like, eh, that's not really good to say, but I heard it wasn't good. At that point, we scratched him in the record, boo. It was over. <laughs> we just, we, it, it, was, it was out of the sentence structure. It, was, it wasn't that deep. But to your point, people thought it was a personal attack for me to say, hey, listen, that's not proper to say, oh, we're always changing, always doing the always. Yeah, like, we always got to change. What is it? What is yeah, it? Yeah. Yes, you bro. You have to always change. <laughs> I like words. And like, if you think about it, people <laughs> are so okay with tech... People are so okay with the fact that they just bought an iPhone 14 and a 17 is on the way out and they got to get a new one. If we're so okay with how quickly technology changes, why wouldn't we expect the way, like the technology of humanity to change as well and us have to, us having Ooh. to evolve? I don't get it. Because it requires Ooh. them to have to do something. This is why I always say it does cost to be kind. Mm. People Ooh. have security and stability. And if being kind or stretching yourself puts you outside of your stability and your security and your comfort, it gets hard. You get mad. You show the you show the um, you show the symptoms of growing pains, and you do so haphazardly and maladaptively because you don't get it and you don't want to do it. So um, <clears throat> that's that on that topic number I, three. Oh no, sorry. No, no I was just gonna <laughs> say I was just gonna say that I I think people to your point. I'm, I swear this is going to be quick. I think people have a very toxic relationship with failure. And what change requires or what change welcomes is the opportunity at failing. Mm -hmm. And I think most people have a tough time with understanding that if I change my language or add new language or change my position, then I could possibly get it wrong. And that everybody's afraid to get it wrong. Hello, but I think people are so uncomfortable with if I if I decide that I'm going to acknowledge pronouns, I'm I'm, I'm going to have to ask someone what their pronouns are before addressing them as such. I now know that I may miss it at some point, and now I have to humble myself, mm. right, enough to be okay with the fact that someone's going to check me. And Lord and behold, somebody checked me as an adult and say, "Hey, our pronouns actually aren't he him; they're mm. they them." And now you have to wrestle with whatever internally it says. You don't get to tell me. You don't get to. You know, because oh, it's always God. the forty fussers. And you, know, you know what I'm saying? That was the, they're always the ringleaders in this whole, like, no one can tell me. Kind of like our parents, right? Like, us to say, hey, Dad, I don't even come with, you, I'm, I'm the, you know what I'm saying? And you got to let that go to change. And folks don't want to let that joint go. And I'm just, uh, I could go a mile for that. But, yeah, I just, like, it's our relationship with, like, doing wrong or being checked or being adjusted has to change as a, as a community. Because until it does, we can't really grow. Because mm -hmm. you're going to have to adjust to accommodate the next person. It's called humanity. That's literally what humanity is. And I don't know if we'll get to our big kahuna um, because you just said something to me that I think is also called for conversation. I don't know if I have all the thoughts of it together, right? But you just made a beautiful case for failure being an opportunity. And I think a way this was exhibited, and I won't call it failure because he didn't fail, but <laughs> the way this is exhibited is how Dwayne Wade does his kids mm -hmm. and the way mm -hmm. Boosie does his kids. No? 
Yes. And that's the reason why I'm saying I, I'm not saying that he failed, but Dwayne Wade had an opportunity to deal with Zaya in a healthy way or a maladaptive way. He could have shrunk. He could have drawn back. He could have gone right into all of the things that black men, especially in the NBA, are expected to do in a situation like the one that was presented to him. But he chose yeah. to grow. He chose to be present for his kid. Oof. And he cho- And like there was so much opportunity. And I'm not going to even do too much because there are so many people who say he only allows Zaya to be this way because it's open financial doors for him when he did not need that. He's a literal NBA star. Everybody cut it out. But it was such an opportunity for Mm -hmm. him to learn and educate himself and be an example to other fathers. Boosie, however, and I don't even know everything that's going on with his kids, but I know he's so uh, homophobic. I know he has queer children. I know he's he, he and his family are always in turmoil about like literally just wanting love and respect from the father and th- that they're not getting. And Boosie is is really like a pillar for that community who just wants to be mad about progress, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that wasn't as eloquently put sure. as it could have been, but I think it was excellent for this conversation. But, so, okay, I'll say, have you guys, like, listened to the interviews where he's spoken about Boosie, where he's spoken about his daughter and, like, how he feels about her being gay? I've heard, like, inklings, but not directly from his mouth. Okay, so this is what I want to say, because failure is an interesting word when it Mm -hmm. comes to this. I feel like there's another word we can use because it's not necessarily failure, but I think there is an ignorance so deep that it's harmful, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, very aloof and unaware Mm -hmm. and so when he speaks about his daughter what it gives to me is like um I get that you just have you don't want this right Mm -hmm. but this is not about what you want but Mm -hmm. it's the fact that he's going on public platforms and having conversations that make it okay for other people to also spout harmful rhetoric towards his family and for his children to begin feeling just not safe with him or with themselves in public. Um, So I just wanted to say that part to say I don't want to call it failure, but there is a real remedy that has to happen for parents who just do not know how to deal with this. We don't have enough conversations about the fact that um, there are parents that do not know how to accept that their children are not this who I raised you to be. You do not raise your children to be a specific thing. You guide them. They are going to become who they are. There are people who just don't understand disappointment in general. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you just don't know how to be disappointed. And disappointment is a very, very real part of life. It's a very real part of relationships. Like you're going to be disappointed. Like even I love that Dwayne Wade did a a conversation recently. He was saying he wanted Zaya to be in the NBA. He was like, we all, him and his teammates had kids around the same time. They were all going to practice together. He was going to prepare all of them to be NBA stars, be basketball Mm. players. And that was not Zaya's lane. And here you are with a person who's telling you, I do not identify as a boy. I am a a girl. I feel, you know what I'm saying? So for you to then say, okay, I'll be disappointed. I had this whole trek for you in my mind. I done conjured up this whole trajectory for you. But I have to get out of myself, out of my own energy, which Boosie cannot do, and say, this is not about me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And likewise to being checked, likewise to being adjusted, likewise to being reprimanded, likewise to being um, nudged, all those things, it's not about you, right? But I think most people cannot get out of themselves. Most people have to understand and more understand than they care about your humanity. Right. But I think if you value humanity at base, understanding me is irrelevant. I don't have to get you because I value you as an individual. And what you're communicating to me is necessary for your comfort. That's a hard stop. I don't have to understand what Lene or you, Sim, say, you know, I don't know. I don't 
I need the walls to be blue. I don't know. It was some random shit that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But if I know you're, commu- you're communicating that for your comfort, how am I contesting that? Right. But then we have people who are so uncomfortable with not understanding because, again, not understanding is consistent with failure, which I think also is brought on by the school system, but we don't have time for that today. Mm. Um, I think we have, I don't think we teach <laughs> young people in general how to understand what it means to fail. And I think, honestly, if we change the way we grade papers, all that kind of stuff, I think we, we have a, we develop a very toxic relationship with failure from a very young age that carries into adulthood and it becomes very toxic in community. But again, humanity has to reign supreme and it just doesn't in so many ways and it's always going to be um, prevalent. I was sure about this, but we were talking today. And I was telling them, like, the question on the table was, how can companies support LGBTQ people? And I was telling them, the problem is, one thing you cannot fake is support. Mm. It's, just, it's just impossible. You're not, it's impossible to, because support's all, fake support's always going to show itself supreme. You're never going to get a fake support, because it's too hard. Supporting people is just too difficult when it's fake. Like, if I say, Sam, I got your back, it's going to be too many opportunities to have it, and I'm going to continue to fall short because it's not real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so for likewise to humanity, if you don't care about my existence, it's going to always show up. You can say, oh, I love the gays. I love da-da-da-da-da. But it's always going to show if you don't or do. Likewise, I'm cool being adjusting. I'm cool with with with, with feedback. It's always going to show that you're not. And I think mm-hmm. we have to get in our minds that we're going to have to adjust to live. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello, spiral of the fittest, baby. <laughs> not you changing the world. I'm just saying, like, you know, come on, man. I, it's, it's just crazy. We see the music, we see the media, we just see so many people who are just, like, so uncomfortable with change. And I get it. Even me, I would say as a man, I almost threw up. Not as a man child, but, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I feel like sometimes as a, oh, Lord, it keeps almost coming out. But, like, for a person who identifies as a man, <laughs> I think that, that that just felt better to me. <laughs> like, I, I think I had to go through my own journey because you're right. I was raised on this, like, you know, yeah, you have the answers and, you know, you know what to do and, you know, you know. That's you, crazy. And, you know, and. People told you that. that? I'm about to say, how was that communicated to you? Lord, the episode is not okay. what the episode was supposed to be, but it's what it needs to be. Amen. <laughs> so what, who said that to you? <laughs> I think, I think as a young boy, me coming home and giving the opinions of other kids and and the affirmation being don't let nobody tell you 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 did, did didn't do this or you didn't do that or don't nobody tell you that you can't even in friendship right so and so didn't with my friend they don't get to tell you anything about what you, whose friend you could be or that kind of stuff and i'm like well actually they do get to decide who mm-hmm. could be their friend like if you think about it, like they actually kind of do but in my <laughs> mind it was like you kind of always people always position young boys or in my area at least to always be on the on the dominant front of things, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't wait to receive. You're proactive in your pursuit of things. You're a gatherer. Mm-hmm. You're a hunter. You, you know, and I think that we internalize that as guys. And then so when you get older, someone telling you anything almost feels like you didn't have the answer, which is in direct opposition of your manhood. Because as a man, you didn't have the answers. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, as a young boy, we tell you, hey, you need to know this. You need to know that. Make sure you understand this. Get that. Because you need to be in a position to do this and do that. And when you're not, you feel inadequate. And again, especially with his headman, when you feel inadequate, it usually comes out in abuse. It usually comes out in trauma. It usually mm. comes out, you know what I'm saying? When you feel suppressed, most people, not most, some cis headmen's response to being suppressed is to suppress somebody else. Right. So we see these guys who have this anger issue. We see these guys who have these bad temperaments because no one taught you how to be uncomfortable, how to be suppressed and navigate their way out of that. And I'll be kind of this, but I think with marginalized groups at large, understand, I think adjusting a little bit more than people who exist under such an umbrella of privilege that we just don't get to experience on a daily basis. You know what I mean? We talk about this often on this podcast, but it's like as women, 
you being paid less kind of is normative. So you're like, I mean, you know, it sucks, but uh, what you, what how much you make? 60? <clears throat> well, I make 45, child. you know, mm-hmm. and you ain't really whatever. But as a man, for you to make 60 and you make 45, I feel inadequate. That's in direct opposition to my manhood. And it's so interesting and that I ain't that's with not that. illegal. That still isn't illegal. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I told you I just got a settlement for that, right? No. Yeah, one of my um, companies I used to work for, I was working there as a manager, and I signed on my boyfriend at the time, and he was making more than me. And so there was a class action lawsuit. Yeah, it was insane. I was like, wait, how much? I was a manager. I was and he has a sales of a associate? jewelry store. He as a sales associate made more than Yes. That is ludicrous. So there was a class action suit <laughs> filed and I just got my check in the mail recently. Yeah. <laughs> Period. So Um, mm-hmm. anyways. But so what you said just very quickly, because I know we gotta um move on to other things, but it's like we're getting two different courses, mm-hmm. men and women, because even the things that you're saying, I remember very specific moments where I'm like, oh, such and such, I didn't want to be my friend. What did you do? Oh, you can't keep friends. You're not good at friends. You need to go apologize. Mm-hmm. You need to go make nights. That's not how you, you know, t- completely opposite. Mm-hmm. And that's how society is created. Mm-hmm. We teach women to be docile and men to be dominant. And <laughs> boom. <laughs> and then when you deviate from that space, you're now othered in a way that you have to either fight or flight. And then we have all these people who are in these fight or flight spaces or succumbing to what it means to either be docile or dominant. Yeah, and then not even to bring it back here, but then when you have people who behave like, you know, when we just spoke about a little bit of Drake's behaviors and many of R. Kelly's behaviors, it makes sense that people are not outraged because the same people are raising people to be this way. You know, like, why would I be outraged? He's just being a man. He was just being a man. You know, he didn't mean anything by it. And then classism plays a major part in all of it. Mm -hmm. I think classism is a big part of it, too, because most people are trying to make money, and most things trickle back down to money. Even when we saw in the media recently with Angelica Ross and talking about how she didn't even want to come to the front, and most people don't because they don't be fired. They don't be sent sent off off of the set. And likewise, like all these people who have experiences are like, I don't want this to be my demise. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we live in a society where you need money. And usually those who speak out, we don't see anymore. Mm. Like how, like, I think Kiki Palmer has been like a person who has said things and has been fortunate enough to be still in the space. But you mm-hmm. saw some people who spoke up and they disappear. Mm-hmm. Because people are feeling uncomfortable working with you now or she may actually stand up for mm-hmm. herself. I can't be around that. And mm-hmm. so we've seen people who, and, and this, is a really, this is a really ghetto example. Mm. <laughs> you remember the earlier <laughs> stage of Love and Hip Hop in New York where Erica Mena meets Kim Bella and she's mad at her because Kimbella, they were video basins and Kimbella was doing videos for free. And she's like, you're doing videos for free and messing up my money because if you're doing it for free, I'm not getting paid. But it's, and they're fighting. But again, it's, I think it's a really necessary mm. part of the conversation where it's like, if you're willing to take being spit on, spat at, beat up, whatever, mm-hmm. then when I come into this place and, and require you to do different, I get sent home yeah. because they can easily find someone else who's willing to endure and people have endured for so long that it mm-hmm. almost feels foreign for someone to say, Hey, I'm not appreciating that. Mm-hmm. It almost does come bad up to stand up for yourself because people haven't done it for so long, especially marginalized bodies. And so it's like, I know, Hey, as a woman, I don't care what I am gender wise. I need to pay more. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, well, she's tripping. She's doing too much. But it's like, what? But it happens so sense. often. <laughs> mm, I should have got more of my settlement. All right. Well, um, <laughs> shall we hop into the big kahuna? 
Big Cajon? Oh, wait, we ain't, we ain't got no, no jingle for that. No. Okay. Not, what you was about to start singing? Big Cajon. I don't even know. And you know, listening to hey, last week's episode, first of all, y'all owe me a sing-off. As, mi- as many tunes as you were singing last week, y'all owe me a sing-off. So next week, I want everybody ready and prepared. Thank you. Now, for your Big Kahuna this week, <laughs> you dying laughing. I'm so serious. Ready? Okay, thank you. What? Okay, all right. Cool. So, I don't know if you guys have seen this or know that this is going on, but between May 2nd through the 16th of this year, Cleveland area police reported that 27 kids were reporting missing in the city. By the end of the summer, this number grew to roughly 45 children, according to Cleveland 19 News. And to put that into perspective, Cleveland has a total of 56 active missing children cases open right now that span back a number of years. So almost half of these missing cases came just from the kids that went missing the first two weeks of May. And we don't know for sure whether these were runaways or abductions, but sex trafficking is definitely a concern. And even the fact that after all summer, no one has a lead on these kids or, and no one has a lead on whether they were kidnapped or if they ran away is a problem. And um, although all these kids aren't black, a heavy portion of them are. I want to say I've seen a post most recently, like 35 of these are black teenagers. Um, so Khalif Police Chief John Majoy is reportedly concerned that these missing kids, whether they were kidnapped or not, could be lured into drug or sex trafficking and their disappearance. And however, with many of the kids being between the ages of 12 and 17, he also believes that a significant number of these could be runaways. And it's just really interesting that runaways keeps being used because just like we saw with the Carly Russell case, like prior to all of the kerfuffle and theatrics, black kids and black women just are regarded as runaways more often than not. You know, and a disproportionate number of black kids are not found just because they're labeled as runaways. Like there's like no action taken to looking for black kids. One article published by USA Today explains that when a child goes missing, the media, police and public all become a collective unit to find that child. While they report that 90 percent of missing children are found within days of being reported missing, most of the children found are not black kids. Yeah. And so this, like, there's a lot to discuss, but I definitely wanted to talk about the Atlanta um, child murders. Did y'all know about that? No. No. So in 1979 and 1981, 29 minors and young adults were killed in the Atlanta area. In these cases, these children would go missing and their bodies would be discovered later, often showing that they had been strangled to death. The murder sent the city in a spiral and eventually became something the whole country was watching unfold. Even James Baldwin had wrote about it, describing it as an anguish I have never felt so bitterly, so keenly. And as these tragedies were sprawled out over two years, lower-income black families became more and more angered about how long it took the city to make any ground on the case. Adding to this anger was the fact that Atlanta was known as a city too busy to hate, but it was clear that not only were people targeting black kids, but the responses didn't seem robust enough, even if a serial killer was here, like to be working in the same area for two years is nuts. Like, and the way, what I remember from the cases, I've seen like different documentaries about it, but like kids' bodies would just be sprawled out in the woods. Mm. Yeah. So what I'll say about that is, cause you said what years did those take place in? 1979 to 1981. Right. So I think that, I thank God for social media today. Mm. 
when it comes to a lot of the cases that we've been able to talk about, get some kind of justice on, be able to support families even when our government isn't supporting us, because things like that were able to happen because killing black people has been a normalcy in our nation for years, for mm-hmm. decades, since the beginning. What's not normal is us actually speaking about these things and investigating these cases as human beings, people who are missed, people who have value to somebody. That's new. So it doesn't shock me that someone was able to get away with this for this amount of time. Because a lot of times I think that people like that do things like that to a certain kind of victim because they know they're not going to get found out. Yeah, that was kind of a similar sentiment for the Jeffrey Dahmer situation. Correct. They were saying he was luring those people who people didn't have a mm-hmm. a real eye on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a, this stuff is so disheartening to me that it's, it's sometimes difficult for me to even like go there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I kind of. I don't. I don't think this is an unpopular opinion, but I do think it's something that we should really consider as people. Because, yes, I'm grateful for social media. I do see when people go missing. I tend to see people like pop up, hey, guys, please make sure we found this person. But rarely do I see follow-up of we found them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And also, when I see it, if it's not in my area, I'll post things in my area for sure. But do we, I feel like, do we treat the flyers on social media like we treat Amber Alerts? Do we look at it and then put our phones down and keep moving? Because I wonder what people think is their capacity to assist in a situation like this i feel like i give more attention to it on socials than an amber alert because a lot of times information yeah Mm -hmm. there's more information um but also what i do recognize is when it's not there's not enough context or it's not juicy enough people Mm -hmm. aren't as willing to engage people engage with things when they can have a an opinion about it that can get them retweeted or reshared and it's absolutely disgusting and I think that's why there's a love and hate I'm happy that we have a platform so that we can advocate for ourselves Mm -hmm. but it sucks because even some of us that are supposed to be advocating are advertising and it's not the same yeah Mm. yeah Mm. I agree word (laughs) (laughs) um so it seems like much like it was with the Atlanta case in Cleveland there's just not been a lot of noise about it. And we're seeing people post about it. Like I introduced this story to Victor because I seen Viola Davis post about it. And the the number of kids that, cause it doesn't tell you how many, you just saw all these faces of missing kids. And you're like, wait, how long is this video? Why is it not something that we're talking about? And I just wonder, very similar to what we were discussing earlier, why is it that we allow things to fester and see all these weird clues and hints that something's up before we allow the public to engage in something or to make it a big enough deal? I don't really get the aspect of saving face um, for a city. Like it, it, it doesn't. Maybe the economics. Like maybe that's really what people are thinking about the economics, the amount of people coming to the city, spending money and the things. But people also want to feel safe. You know, and I guess the people, the immediate people who feel threatened, their peace is not enough leverage to really put all the stops in place. Because to the point of Mm. finding black people, y'all find who y'all think to be criminals. Y'all be watching them. I'm confused. Surveillance. So, So what's going on here? It just doesn't feel like 
we get the resources. And I know that we know that, but seeing things like this exist is really interesting. But then it goes to the question of who needs to feel safe? Who does mm-hmm. our government care about yeah. who feels safe? Because you're right. When you need to catch us doing something, you're going to catch us even when it's not us. Mm-hmm. But even when it comes to the who of feeling safe, like we know Cop City, they don't care about us feeling safe. Don't get me started on Cop City. Cop mm-hmm. City really just stresses me out. And it really, it's really sad to me that our black mayors have supported this and I really don't get it. I say mayors because it was um, initially brought up when Keisha Lance Bottoms was in office and now Andre Dickens is over it. And I just think that's really weird to me. And it's why I never gonna run for nobody's office. I'm just gonna leave that there. But um, speaking of mayors, when this did happen, Mayor Maynard Jackson eventually offered a cash reward, like an increased media coverage and increased police power to find the killer. Um, But the damage had already been done. Like they waited too long to do something about it. Um, but when they did make an arrest, they charged Wayne Williams, a black man in his 20s with the crimes, after they found some fibers connected to his carpet with some of the victims. Mm -hmm. And this takes me back. One of the things that really broke my heart when I was in grad school was learning about what's, what's his name? I don't want to say the wrong one. He wrote Soul on Ice. He's a founder of the Black Panther Party. Soul on Ice, Eldridge Cleaver. And I feel like I've talked about this on different platforms, but it reigns true here again. So Eldridge Cleaver and Soul on Ice wrote about his time. I don't know how old he was, but like when he was young, he would practice raping black girls um, because he knew nobody would come to look for them. And we're talking about, you guys brought up early, like you brought up Dahmer, like just the aspect of we're victimizing communities that no one's going to look for. I just want to know, like, y'all can't answer this question. I'm just posing it. (sighs) Is it even a question? Because I'm answering it in my head before I even get it out. Like, what is it about us manipulating that same system to victimize one another? Mm. Because you have Eldridge Cleaver, founder of the Black Panther Party. I don't need to say any more about that, who did this in his own community. You've got James Bevel, one of the pioneers of the Black Children March, um, abusing his own daughters. You've got countless aunties, uncles, cousins, sexually abusing aunties, uncles, and cousins because there's a, a very odd and strange protection of a group of people who no one's coming to look for. And even if they reach out for help, a lot of people aren't really going to raise a red flag about so, I mean, I know we got we got started talking about this, and the issue is that kids are still missing, missing in Cleveland, but this Atlanta murders case really, um, it's always been a sore thumb for me. But yeah, I wanted to bring it to the table. I think there's so many things at play. Because we have patriarchy at play, mm-hmm. misogyny at play, but we also have classism at play. Mm-hmm. And I guess I want to speak more to the classism in this moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's extremely frustrating that even the idea of cash rewards, I get to incentivize a person, but it's it's, it's just wild to me that like saving a person isn't enough. Mm. Like nothing has shifted. It's kind of like we talk about with labels often, right? Like it's the same pair of pants. You put a logo on it now, it becomes a thousand dollars. And likewise, this is like the same signage, the same whatever. But now that you see an, an incentive and a cash incentive, 
now you somehow care about this person's well-being and it just sucks that again these things just speak to the such like negative side of society that it's just like damn like at what point can something not be self-serving but you still care and I was going to try to play devil's advocate to your point, because I think anytime someone introduces a cash reward is to get more people paying more attention than there were before. Sure. But when you think about where this is happening, there are tons of people who are going to see crazy shit happen and look the other way. But now that a cash no reward is in play, yeah, now that different. a cash reward is in play, it's different. It's different. And it just sucks. Even even down to the symptom about social media, when notoriety is a point. It's different. Mm. You know, like, I think it's all, it's, I, I ask people often in like meetings or in conversation, it's like, do you actually care about the well being of others or do you want to look like you care about the well being of others? And usually it's the latter. Most people just want to look like I care about the well being of other people, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, but until we create a society where people actually legitimately care about the person beside you, I was in a long conversation recently with my friends about, uh, he was like, you know, why, why would I care about a person I don't even know? Mm. And I was like, let's just take it personal because usually things have to be personal for you guys to give a damn. <laughs> if some girl, because that's just how y'all work, right? But it's like, mm-hmm. if that was your sister getting beat up, would you not want a stranger to come to her aid? Mm. If that was your little brother being pulled away, I remember me and one of my friends, I was in college, and there was this kid in a booth in a restaurant near us, and the kid just looked super, super frightened. And it was an older person with the kid. And I was like, and I don't know if you guys remember the show, What Would You Do? Mm-hmm. I, feel like, I feel like John Quinones, what was his name, John Quinones? I um, thought he was going to come out, the, the the guy who ran the show. I thought he was going to come out the Woodgate. Wood, wood but I was like, yo, I was like, I was like, are you? You good? And he was like, I was like, you, you sure? Because again, my mom, you just look, he looked scared. And it turns out he, the, the guy, the older guy came and sat back down. They didn't look alike. So I was like, I don't know if this is giving a dad vibes. They really didn't give me the dad vibes. Mm-hmm. So they're about to leave. I, I, I told them, I was like, yo, I was like, yo, okay. And he was like, yeah, I, was like, I don't know, not to be overstepping, but he just looked frightened to me. And I just didn't really, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that I was like, you know, that's how you guys do okay. And he was like, oh, nah, he got in trouble at school today and, and gave me the spill. And whether that's true or not, sure. But in my mind, mm-hmm. it was like, again, I thought enough to like infiltrate myself, like mm-hmm. get in the middle of it. And I think so many people see your point, see things, and they're not going to do with me. But in my mind, and again, maybe I'm being biased because in my mind, if I had a little brother, I would want a stranger to say, mm-hmm. you we here? Like, oh, you got, sorry. I, 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 I forget they can't see me. I'm, I'm doing like a little. They can see you. Two, mm-hmm. You're recording. Oh, work. But they're, <laughs> they're doing the out of eye thing. But you know, I just like again, so as a society, man, we just cannot function if we're such individuals. And again, we're three people who have literally like studied other people as like our profession. So I mean, I guess we're like super on the opposite end. But still, like, it can't just be the people who have dedicated their lives to like, you know, being boisterous online. There's so much you can do in your day to day that will help the person beside you. And in this case, people getting kidnapped, people getting snatched up, people getting beaten, people getting like missing. It just to me, this shouldn't be happening at the rate that it is. Yeah, my mm-hmm. eyes gonna lock in on a wandering child. Yeah, every no matter what but I'm doing, there's a child wandering. I'm not gonna get too close because you're not gonna think it's me that snatched mm-hmm. said kid. But I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna wait for uh, someone that you recognize to walk up to you. And I'm not even going to say we don't have enough of that because, Sim, you just agreed. Like, I think on its surface, we do want other people to be safe, but it's also the people who are hyper aware of the dangers that express that type of covering in community, you know, because also we are more often than not showing the type of love and protection we felt we needed. So. Woo. Woo. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. just, um, what was it? Sunday. Just recently, I was in the park. Um, I took my little man to go um, do this, like, jungle gym thing over in Gwinnett. And um, as I'm, like, walking over to put something in the garbage, I see a little kid had to be maybe hmm, three, four years old, and he is crying, like, mm. bawling, crying. So cute. And I'm like, hey, baby, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, immediately, I'm I'm just like, who has broken this child's heart? Mm-hmm. I look around, and there's no parents. Mm. And I don't want to touch him mm-hmm. because you just mm. don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to scare him. You know, he's already like freaked out. Mm-hmm. So it's me and him awkwardly standing in the middle of a huge <laughs> park. And I'm like, are you okay? And three or four, a lot of times they don't even know, like they can't even comprehend what it is you're saying. They, you know, some of them are not expressive or some of them just are, they're understanding more of the body language of parents than they are actual language. So I'm there and I'm like, uh, and so we're there for maybe about five minutes and he just crying. People are passing me. I'm like, is he with you? (laughs) And I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I am a mom. Like I, I just want to kind of pick this baby up and like find an authority and like figure it out. But I also don't know how close in proximity he is to his parents. And I don't want him to leave this spot specifically. Mm -hmm. And they're looking for him. It takes whatever time. There's a lady on the other side of the park just calmly walking with her other child. Like, what happened? Where did you go? Are Where you, did you go kidding me? Where did you go is nuts. And so baby just runs over to his mom. And to this day, I hate that woman. <laughs> but um, it just speaks to the fact that, yes, it is very uncomfortable when we see these things, when we have these moments where our spidey senses go up and it's like something is not right here. We got to act on it. Mm-hmm. It's better to act on it than to just leave it, you know, by the wayside and then things go even worse. I just Agreed. saw, not even just saw, I remember very vi- vividly this video that went viral for a second on the internet of a guy that walked up on this child who was walking on like the side of a street by himself. Mm. And he had his phone out the entire time to just document the process that he didn't take this kid. He did not touch this kid and like just kind of walk this kid who who was lost and upset all the way around to another side of the park where there were a group of people. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, is this this kid belong to anybody over here? And you hear somebody say, so-and-so, they got your baby. And people directly in front of him are saying, are like being very aggressive with him. Like, what are mm-hmm. you doing with our kid? Like, get away from him and then get that camera out my face. Like, what are you doing? And this really bothered me because... I think people make critiques about black people in general off of videos like this and just say, we don't know how to act. We don't know how to, why weren't you watching your kid in the first place? And they make these critiques without the right nuance. And I'm going to come back to this point in just a second. But when we're talking about abolishing the police, we don't got to get too much into it. But when you think about the fact that there's so many kids missing in Cleveland, that so many went missing over two weeks, and there's no updated information on these kids really, um, or these cases really, what are these things for? What mm-hmm. what are the police in place for? Because you're not necessarily reducing crime. You're not protecting families. You're not finding kids. You're not you're not protecting and building and molding communities. You're just not. You're just there to do what? Intimidate. Us. Catch crime every now and then. You're not proactive. You're very reactive, and you also kill people. But all these things to say. When we talk about defunding the police or abolishing the police, we don't want 
no law enforcement. We want departments that are funded and equipped with professionals who know how to do the thing and get the thing done and know the communities that they're serving. So mm -hmm. back to the point of this family, not even receiving the kid they could have lost or the kid that could have been kidnapped. Well, we need things in place and I'm, and I'm just talking about what we need. I don't know that I have the solution, but we also need things in place to retrain communities' mindsets. Like mm -hmm. you can give people mm -hmm. all the resources and all the money in the world. And that's why I am super for reparations. But I think reparations is going to have to come with some type of handholding that doesn't feel good. And it doesn't even make it feel like mm -hmm. you're actually giving people something. But what I don't want to happen is for my people to get what they deserve and not know how to use it because mm -hmm. they've never been in situations where they can use it freely. Mm -hmm. Oof. Yeah. Oof. And so just when I saw this video and I saw these people critiquing this family, like, yes, it upsets me too. Like having been a victim of childhood sexual abuse, like all these things always like make my spidey senses tingle. But I also know that they're responding like this because they also don't know emotional intelligence. Like nobody protected these people. These people also don't know how to use, they don't have communication skills. And it's not just a fault. It's not a stereotypical trait. It is behavior they did not have the opportunity to learn given all the circumstances that they experienced growing up. And it takes a lot to undo that. Reparations is not just about money. Like yes, 100,000% give us all the money, but there are systemic changes that need to take place in that to also undo all the systemic things that were put in place to put us in position that we're yeah. in. So it was a bit yeah. of a rant, but I digress. No, all that's necessary because I think a lot of it is fear. You know what I mean? And to your point, like you have to change the re. You, you, yeah, exactly what you say. Mm -hmm. You have to retrain the minds, man. I I feel like I've been in a scenario often as a gay man where I'm like, mm, I can't be, but in so much close proximity to you, especially privately, and feel comfortable. You know what I mean? Just because I just know how people view. Gay have have you rather gay men for so long as predator as predators mm -hmm. and all these things. And so like for me, when young boys would take a really like strong liking to me and want me to pick them up from school or my little mentees from the, from the school we were adopted or my little middle school students, it would always be like eh. Or when they ask my number, I'm always like eh. Like because mm -hmm. again, I have to protect my I have to protect myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember very vividly one of my young Johns. He ended up getting to Morehouse and went to Morehouse and he was here for a summer and he wanted to come to my crib. But he was 17 at the time and I'm like, you can't come here. Like, no, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I mean, like, you, know, you just like can't. That. And it's like, like, you just, you just can't. And I hate, and I hate that because I know I would never touch you. What? That doesn't mm, even make sense. Right, but at right. the same time, like, but getting people to believe that, getting yeah. in the I feel firm and strong in that would be difficult. Mm -hmm. And I don't have time to go through what it means to protect mm -hmm. myself at the opposite end mm -hmm. of you being at my home, a 17 year old boy with a 29 year old gay man. Like, you know, it mm -hmm. doesn't make sense based on, based on how society has learned mm -hmm. me to be and learned you to be. And so, all those things work together. Like, I went to the black man who you say was recording a video. Like, there's all these social, like, mm -hmm. structures that are rooted in systemic racism, um, oppression, and the things that makes it difficult for you to even pass over kindness sometimes. And it sucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, 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 shit. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, what are y'all doing <laughs> over there? Oh. But it also gets, it feels not like a broken record, but it's also disheartening to have to come to a place and talk about what solutions to parse through problems in an analytical way, in a beneficial way, 
but not be able to end with a solution and not be able to pinpoint anything on its head, you know, um, or have avenues. And that's why I always say, like, everybody has to do their part. There are so many things that people are good at. There are folks who are identifiers. And sometimes you can play more than one part. Sometimes you can be identifier of the problem and you have an idea for the solution. You are a visionary, but you need grassroots organizers to get it done, Correct. you know. So I do hope these conversations ignite something within the spirits of people who do have that inkling of an idea of how to enter it. You know, um, I'm really interested in being solution-oriented and, and creating actionable steps so it does get disappointing when we come to space and aren't even able to say, like, what to do next. Yeah. Therapy. Yeah. But what do we do about the missing kids uh, in Cleveland that have no updates and been missing since May? And to talk about these kids being runaways, you thought 35 kids just want to run away at the same time and want to pull a joke and still ain't been home? It's October. Yeah, I mean, you're, I think it's hard to even challenge people with solutions sometimes mm -hmm. because you're like trying to find your way. It's like you're dropping people in a forest with no phone or GPS and saying, find your way home. No, worse, you're saying, teach somebody else he's like you put me in a forest blindfolded then pick me up blindfolded then put me back home and then told me to tell people who are also in that forest how to get back mm. and i'm like well, i don't even know <laughs> where to begin like what are you even talking about and so for us very similarly i was minding my business i was brought to a place under the guise of oppression and now you're telling me like how how did that oppression shape you huh or like how can we not oppress you as much huh yeah. like how can we create a society that's more harmonious huh i don't i don't what? i mean you, what I'm of the belief that these folks have created so many systems on top of systems that intertwine and interlock. They don't even know where to start. So they're asking you, <laughs> you on the other side of it. And so maybe you can see something they can't. And more often than not that we can, but a lot of the times yeah, we literally cannot. So I can describe, mm -hmm. to, I can describe to you how you made me feel, but I can't describe to you the precipice of why you made me feel that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like I, yeah. I can't, I can't tell you why I can tell you how I feel, but the why is where the solutions come from. Cause because I don't know how to change your heart, right? Because I don't even know why you did it. Like, I can't tell you he beat me up, but at the end of the stop, I got to understand why he did it in the first place. There's a tweet about it um, saying, again, over 30 plus black children over the past year or so have gone missing in Cleveland, Ohio. Why isn't there mass news coverage on this? If it was, never mind. Sickening. Um, I think that's important because we're seeing as we go further in time, more incidents like this related to this, similar to this, are not being reported. And we're not going to see them covered by mass media. But what it is our job yeah. to do, even those of you listening at home, it is our job to take these things seriously, to not just create mm -hmm. discourse on social media just to create discourse, but to really be out here putting these things out and not just go ahead and repost this, to be outraged. Share a post about your outrage. Share a post about, I got a son too. I got a baby too. I would be sick if this was my daughter. Um, put Personalize these things. Y'all spend all this time going in um, rabbit holes, looking up people's information to be in their business. You know, you know, put these things out here. If I was a mom in this person's shoes, this is how this would make me feel. Hey, if you're a mom, put this out here. That's the type of conversation that we need to be having. These things can't just be another scroll past because we're so desensitized by yeah. seeing this information. Because regardless of how often we're seeing it, the problem is not, here we go again. The problem is, 
here we go again. The problem is that this is getting worse and worse. It's happening more and more. We're hearing about it less and less. And it's not going to be long before it is a situation at our front door. And that shouldn't be when it becomes a personal problem for us. This is personal right now. And to piggyback off of that, Sam, I don't even know if posting about it is where we stop. We do have to start doing the things like calling our congressmen. We got to start blowing up these people's office. Like, we started doing that when it was, um, no, not Brittany Griner. I think maybe some people did make phone calls to Brittany Griner. But mm-hmm. please forgive me, but her name's escaping me right now. But the young woman who was killed in her apartment right after George Floyd. Brianna Taylor. Brianna, Brianna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were writing letters. We were calling the office then. Like, we have to start making that a show of our concern because we as communities i think we automatically take it upon ourselves to do something collectively but if these resources are supposed to be at our disposal we got to start figuring out how to use them um yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so more actionable steps and showing the discontent not just on the internet because i think we've done a excellent job of that but i'm not going to hold you i think every time we evolve our approach they evolve their approach and so Mm -hmm. they've gotten desensitized to the world being um embarrassed of america that don't phase them no more not gonna hold you it don't phase them no more enough so we gotta we gotta do something different Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah Don't give in. I guess I'll just leave with that. Like, don't give in to the tactics. I think a lot of these, a lot of these things are tactics. I talk about how often a lot of these bills that they know will not get passed, they bring about to scare you. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Like, like you know, to do these things, and they may not get passed today, but now they they got in your head that wait a minute, my rights are at stake, mm-hmm. and so now it plays in your mind. We're talking about this today in our, in our LGBTQ meeting where it was like they'll say like you know we're going to take marriage rights away, and we're going to vote on these things, and maybe it won't happen today, but now it teaches us queer folk that like our rights are on the chopping block mm-hmm. and what they do to your psyche, what they do to you as a person. Mm-hmm. Likewise, it is. They want, they want to tire you out. We're going to keep doing these things mm-hmm. and keep chipping away at your community and, and keep just getting your hope and hope to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle until there's no hope left. And I feel like just stay in the fight of it all. But I think it's, it's worked, right? Because mm-hmm. so many of us marginalized folks have said, my vote don't, my vote don't matter because of voter suppression. They suppress it long enough. You feel like, well, it don't even matter anymore anyway because they're going to suppress it regardless. Or, you know, my voice isn't important. Or mm-hmm. it doesn't matter anyway. And they, and they win when we get tired, man. And yeah. I get it that we are tired, but we just can't. We don't, we don't have the luxury of that. Correct. Mm. Um. More conversation for another day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll yeah. see y'all next week. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace. Is there a heart? Is there a heart in the house tonight? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> this is this hard for me. Good job. <laughs>